745 on a Saturday, a chilly one. It's 14 below zero in the Twin Cities. Let's warm it up a little bit with our wine chat with Jack Farrell. Happy New Year, Jack. And the same to you, Denny. Thank you. Are you feeling better, I hope? Well, oh, I've still got whatever I've got, but I'm much better than I was. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. There's a yes, lot of this stuff. Uh, whatever oh, this bronchial stuff is, oh, it nasty. lasts forever. It I've does. never had anything last this long in my life. It really does last forever. But when oh. you, you feel better, I think we need to drink a little more wine. Indeed. And what <laughs> better wine to drink at this time of year than sparkling wine? You know, sparkling wines are made in every single wine-producing area of the world. They produce sparkling wine. And there's a good reason for it. It's the wine celebration, a joyous wine. It appeals to all the senses, especially when you pop the cork. You listen and you anticipate. You think, oh, well, this is going to be wonderful. And the reason for that is champagne itself. Champagne is a very, very old area of France. As a matter of fact, all the kings of France were crowned until Napoleon at Rennes at the cathedral there. And that the stories go back to the 10th century of why the kings were crowned there. But one of the reasons was the wine happened to be pretty good. Now, of course, back in the 10th century, the wine was not sparkling. In fact, they had in Champagne at the time what they called devil wine. And that was wine that would blow up during fermentation. And what it was doing was undergoing secondary fermentation, and the barrel would blow up or the bottle would blow up, and they thought it was... They never got that under control until the mid-1700s. And then, of course, when they got it under control and could keep the bottle sparkle in there, it became a court favorite. It's said that the coupe champagne glass, that's those saucer champagne glasses, were modeled after Marie Antoinette's left breast. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, or it's fun to think about it, but if you've got any of those coupe glasses, throw them away because they dissipate the bubbles, and you really don't want to do that. The idea of sparkling wine is the bubbles in the wine, and it costs a fortune and time and energy to get that bubble in the bottle. To produce a bottle of champagne takes almost three years. Now, of course, uh, sparkling wines can be made in three days. You can inject, do everything from CO2 to actually do the Methodos Champenoise, which is the true champagne method for making grapes. And, of course, there's wonderful stories connected with the Champagne District. It's a fabulous place to visit. You go into those wonderful chalk cellars that were carved out hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And that's the reason real champagne is so different from sparkling wines everywhere else in the world. The subsoil is all chalk. When you go into those cellars, Below, whether you're going into Moet and Chandon or Mums or Mouton, whichever one you happen to be going to, you'll see these huge chalk cellars with carvings in, Tat and Jay, etc. And they're absolutely wonderful. Now, what happened was the world gave, originally back in the turn of the last century, in the 1900s, they gave Champagne the right to, the, or, or France the right to the word Champagne, and they could regulate that. Well, that was fine, except a lot of countries, particularly the United States, didn't recognize that. Made a lot of sparkling wine we called Champagne. And we weren't the only ones. They did that in Australia and South Africa, South America, etc. 
But in Europe, it was recognized that that was Champagne's right. So if, if you get a sparkling wine from Spain, it's called Cava. If you get one from Italy, it's usually called Spumante. You get the idea. And so, but France has the name Champagne. And in marketing it, it was one of the first products to be marketed worldwide. And it was also one of the first products to have women as general managers. Moet and Chandon had a woman. And, of course, Vouve Clicquot had a woman, the widow of Clicquot, Vouve, that's her. Uh, and they went around the world promoting their champagne. Now, champagne in those days was so much different than we think of champagne now. Think of a, a much more viscous, a little thicker, and very, very sweet. And, of course, as tastes evolved around the world, and the champagne became drier and drier. And champagne from France is really the art of the vintner's blend. All champagnes are blended wines. They don't really care very much about the vineyards or vineyard sites because they blend the wine. It's a little like making ketchup. Heinz ketchup, you want to taste the same today as when you had it 15 years ago. Moet and Chandon want you to taste uh, their red ribbon champagne to taste exactly the same today as it did when you had it at your wedding reception in 1990. And it does because of the blender's art. They ensure that every year by blending vintages together, by blending different areas of France, they get that blend and get that taste uh, so you can rely on it. In other words, if you like Vouve Clicquot and you can remember having a bottle of it 10 years ago, if you go and buy a bottle of Vouve Clicquot today, it's going to taste just like that one you had 10 years ago. And that is absolutely the joy of champagne. Now, today... Like all over the world, in the wine world, that is, people are coming along wanting to do different things. You know, I think in California, just take the Napa Valley alone. I'll bet you in the last 10 years, 250 farmers have become vineyards. Those 250 farmers used to sell all their grapes to the big houses, Mondavi and Krug, etc., etc., Gallo. <coughs> Today, they think they can do better and make it themselves. And that's becoming very popular in Champagne today. And you see these little estates popping up around Champagne, just like mushrooms after a rainstorm. One of the most interesting ones is uh, Mysil. Mysil is the best Champagne Krug makes because they take it from one single vineyard. Now the folks in Mysil are making their own. And we have a little of this Mysil in our stores, and it's not a cheap bottle of champagne, it's about $49 a bottle, but it's from one small estate, and it's totally different, and changes from vintage to vintage. Now, like I say, most people, when they're looking for champagne, weren't really looking for that difference. They want it the same. But the grape types in champagne, the area, are Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Pinot Meunier. That's it. Only those three. Blanc de Blanc on the bottle means white from white. So that champagne, that Blanc de Blanc, is made 100% from Chardonnay. Then there's the types. Brut is the driest. Extra dry, surprisingly, the second driest. Sec is a little sweeter, demi-sec and dew. And those real sweet ones have kind of gone on a popularity decline and aren't 
as much available. And they do make a little still wine in Champagne, but that's ever dwindling because of the popularity of Champagne. You know, in the next two days, 38% of the production of Champagne will be drunk wow. around the world. I mean, it's just astonishing uh, in two days that we drink that much Champagne. Anyhow, all the Champagnes, of course, have prestige cuvées. Uh, Moet and Chandon has Dom Perignon, and many people think that's the apex or the very pinnacle of Champagne. Another one will argue is Louis Roder makes a Champagne uh, called Cristal, and it's kind of neat because it's put in a clear glass bottle, and that has reasons in origin. The Cristal used to be reserved for the Tsar of Russia, and he was always worried about being poisoned, so he insisted they bottle that special cuvee for him in a clear glass bottle. And at the time, the, the Russians had a lot of money, obviously. He had a bottled in Baccarat crystal. Well, today, crystal doesn't come in Baccarat anymore, but a lot of people will argue that it's even better than Dom Perignon. There's so many movies today about Winston Churchill. Maybe you want to pick up a bottle of Paul Roger's Cuvée Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill drank a half a bottle of Paul Roger every morning with his breakfast. What a way to start the day. I should and say. He, he, wow. He, so they named this Cuvée Winston Churchill after him. And then Perrier Jouet has one called Bella Polk, and the bottle is very Art Deco with the flowers etched on the bottle and painted, etc. And they're all very proud of those prestige Cuvées. One thing is interesting, you know, it, it takes a long time. Two and a half years to finish off a bottle of champagne. That's one of the reasons it's so expensive. And, you know, if you see the detail, sometime when you pop a bottle of champagne, look at the cork. The cork comes from a cylinder that is 50% larger than the orifice, the top opening of that bottle. And under tight compression, they squeeze it in, and then they wire it down uh, to hold the bubbles in the bottle. And in the process, as that... Uh, champagne goes about the world and it takes a year or two to get around. When it pops out, it looks like a mushroom. But originally, that was a complete cylinder. And because they're so particular about sealing in that bubble, if you look at the, or the mush, mushroom cork next time, you'll see some are horizontal and some are vertical. And the reason it's glued that way is to make sure that that cork is really, really tight and layered, etc. And whatever you do when you open a bottle of champagne, do it carefully. So many people are actually hurt being opening bottles of champagne, get a cork in the eye. You don't want to shake the champagne up and pop the cork. That's something you do when you win the World Series, <laughs> yes. not when you're going to drink champagne. You want to ease that, carefully turn the cork, and you want it just to pop ever so lightly, not a big pop. And, of course, sabering has become very popular, and that's fun to watch, but I guarantee you I wouldn't be wanting to do it. I have done it many times myself. You're drinking the champagne out of a, a bottle that is uh, shredded at the top, and the glass, while all the glass blows out, it's still kind of dangerous. It's fun to observe but I wouldn't open my champagne. Don't, don't do this at home. Uh, Absolutely. Well, Jack, I, I know that folks can, whatever they might want to celebrate the new year, they can find uh, so many good things at any one of the Haskell's locations. Indeed. The folks at Haskell's 
not only can it pair the perfect wine with a meal for you, but as far as sparkling wines go, they've got sparkling wines from everywhere in the world. And all those sparkling wines are on sale. It's just phenomenal. And today and tomorrow, they will be tasting a bunch of sparkling wines. So stop in, try three or four, pick the one that you want to have to welcome in the new year. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big, big dollars on wine. Haskell's in Bloomington, Chanhassen, Haskell's in downtown Excelsior. There's a Haskell's in Faribault right off of 35. Our super seller in Maple Grove is not to be missed. Haskell's in Minnetonka at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Island Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. Haskell's has been the holiday headquarters for Champagne since 1934. So stop in today, sample a sparkling wine, and take a few home to ring in your new year. Or go to Haskell's.com or WCCO.com slash wine. It'll take you right to the Haskell's website, and you can peruse all the champagnes and all the other wines that are on sale. And won't you all have a very happy and healthy new year from all of us at Haskell's. And you as well, Jack. Thanks very much. Happy New Year. And we'll talk to you uh, one week from today, I hope. I'm going to look forward to that, Denny. Thanks, Jack. Jack Farrell from Haskell's.